Welcome to episode number 99 of the Church Collective Podcast. We are at part two of our interview with Bob Coughlin. And man, there are just some really, really cool discussions on this one. A lot of it is focused in on youth worship ministry and how to integrate youth in our worship services and the importance of having like multi-generational people together for worship. So we're going to jump right in. Here we go. Episode number 99 of the Church Collective Podcast. Decided to, you know, we have every other week rotation you know, somebody was complaining. I said, well, that's fine. You'll like it next week and somebody else won't, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a great point. Yes. Yeah, and, and Adam, and maybe you can, you know, I think maybe just one more piece on this contextualization thing and we can move on. But, um, Adam, you, you, you and I are both youth pastors, um, you know, in California, different parts of it. But yeah, I think something uh, that, that I started with when I was – a volunteer in our youth group years back and was kind of in charge of music stuff is I, I sort of took the, the youth line on trying to contextualize music. Like, well, we'll do stuff in here that we wouldn't do in main service because we can get away with it. You know, we can do a lot more of the rock stuff and, you know, just kind of assumed the students would naturally gravitate towards that. Um, Mm. And it didn't really work that well. And what, what I've realized now being, you know, on staff and just being more involved in it is we need to teach our students how to worship with older people. Because as soon as they leave youth group, you know, they'll go to crew or they'll go to a college ministry, wherever they, you know, um, hope, hopefully, you know, whenever they go away to school somewhere. And if they don't know how to worship with the larger church, then they're just going to bow out and go to something that just fits their age and stage of life. And so, so that's something we've really changed here, um, is doing more, uh, music along the lines of what we would do in our main service. Um, you know, sometimes we use an organ in our main service and we sing a hymn. Obviously we don't have an organ in our youth room and no one knows how to play it. So we're not going to do that. But as far as, you know, we'll do hymns and we'll do that stuff. And we don't always take the contextualizing like, well, we're in youth groups, so we're going to do songs X, Y, and Z. So, Adam, I'm curious, you know, oh. how, how, how have you guys done that? And maybe, Bob, how have you seen that play out in maybe the youth ministry that the churches you've been involved in? Yeah, it's, it's a war on two fronts because um, I, I won't let our worship leaders, I'm one of them, and we have some other folks that, that lead, we have kind of a rotation. I won't let them do songs that we don't do on Sunday mornings. Mm. Um, and, and, Good for you. And, and I, I don't, now that doesn't mean we do every song that we do on Sunday mornings, but, but right. I, won't, I won't allow youth group only songs. Mm. Um, and and in, in a lot of ways, um, we, we don't do new songs in youth group, we usually do the new songs in church first. Um, and that's a personal thing I found. Um, I, I think, I think that, that that's part of it. Um, and then part of it on the, on the flip side is making the main services welcoming to them and, yeah. and, and to view a, a 14 year old Christian as equally as valid as a 50 year old Christian. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a battle on two fronts that, um, you know, I'm never going to be able to produce in youth group um, the kind of music that they're listening to. Um, it's it's right. not musically right. what I'm able to do, but I also have the, the resources to produce um, hip-hop beats or, or um, you know, Taylor Swift pop tracks. I can't do that. 
so I can I can do what I can do. We use uh, you know I have an acoustic guitar on on at youth group, and I use um, non time based ambient pads in the background uh, to fill in the sound. But other than that, the song itself has to hold itself up. It has to be singable. It has like all the stuff we've talked about has to be yeah yeah um, has to have something to it. Um, so I, I think it's a two two sided uh, fight, you know, it, it, for for the kids to engage the kids, and we're doing things now like I'm not letting them grab chairs um, until worship's over mm. because I I don't I don't want them to basically kind of slouch off in a corner. I want uh, I want to uh, kind of create an atmosphere that forces engagement. You can choose not to engage, but we're we're going to push you towards engagement. Um, but other than that, it's 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 more been about making making them not feel isolated from the rest of the church. So Bob probably has has great uh, insight, you know, because it's not the first time where a generation's tried to connect, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my yeah, it's I mean it's more significant now because everyone has their own music that's accessible. So you know you. Just, there used to be a music divide and in the fifties, you think in the sixties and the seventies, but now everybody has their personal, you know, music player, um, that they listen to whatever they want on. So it's, it's really distinct. I think you're absolutely right, Adam. We don't, we will never and shouldn't try to sound like what teens are listening to on the radio. That the the motivation for what's being produced on on radio or you know, on albums today is is very different from what we're seeking to do um, in the church in the gatherings of the church. So I, I think your idea of only doing songs in the youth ministry that you do on Sunday mornings that's brilliant because you guys are hitting on the exact problem. And I was just talking about uh, with a, a local. Worship pastor in the area. He said he leads for in a large church. Um, and he leads the youth. Uh, just just talking to him about this very issue, um, and it, it's those kids are going to go into a college ministry probably, and they're going to have just come from a ministry that sought to appease them. You know, we, we give it to you just how you like it. You know, we don't want you to have to make any changes coming in here. So then they'll want that same thing in college ministry. And so a lot of college ministries can go that way as well. And then they get to the adult church and it's like, well, why, why don't you give me what I want? Why do I have to start mm-hmm. thinking now? Why don't, why isn't the music jamming? Why isn't it, you know, pumping? And, and so even in high school, you know, kids can think they can understand things. And what I'd want to un- help kids understand is, yeah, we can, we can do music. That's, you know, more energetic, but what's so amazing about what we're doing is not the music, but the Savior we're, we're mm. singing about. And the Savior we're singing to. Music is great. Jesus is greater. And what I want to do is give them a clear and compelling picture of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done and why it matters. You feel lonely? God has said, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you trust in him, he will never leave you or forsake you. And he sent his son to the cross to die for your sins, to pay your pay your the debt of your sin completely, so that you would always, you would always, you would know he was always with you. 
So it's it's stuff like that. You, you do not feel loved by God. Well, there's no greater way that God can show you that he loved you than the fact that he sent his son to die in your place. There just isn't a better, you know, the reason you don't feel loved by God is you're looking to the wrong place to find that love. Mm-hmm. Look to what he did for you. So those are the kinds of songs that I want to be doing. And I think the more we can help youth realize they're not, they don't need special treatment. That Jesus is just as glorious you know, the, our focus in in the youth meeting is going to be the same as our focus in in the you know, you know all church meeting. Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the dead. Nothing more glorious. Nothing more amazing. Nothing more worthy to spend our time thinking about and responding to. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Is um, you know, if you think about recent church history, like the last the last say fifty years, that the um, when the, the the music in the 70s took off to beca- become what is now uh, contemporary Christian music, um, the the church didn't. There were large parts of the church that didn't like the transition because they liked their preference. And then massive churches yeah. grew up yeah. from those those that music in the 70s and the early 80s. And then now their kids have grown up and they're saying, "Well, we've always had it our way, and we don't want to transition." Yeah. And, it, and it's been about preference, which is part of the disconnect, because if all of your songs, if all of your songs are, you know, a lot of the early, Mar- and, and I'm, I'm throwing stones at my own glass house because, you know, I'm, I'm in Tower Chapel. <laughs> and a lot, of the, a lot of the early Maranatha songs that I grew up with, they were about an, a personal experience, very distinct to a, a certain generation. And that's not the same personal experience that Jesus is the same, but they're not, not necessarily the same personal experience of an older or a younger generation. And so to find that balance is not just we're not going to we're not going to just target the youth group kids, but we're not going to target anyone else either. We're gonna That's we're gonna right. find that balance. Yeah, and a part of that reaction came, you know, in the fifties of trying to be so hip. Try, I mean, there's a lot of bad written, bad music written in the sixties. Um, you know, where the church was just trying to trying to look hip, and now it's so dated. You know, it just sounds so bad. Um, but at that time, it was seen as, oh, this is you know, what we need to draw the youth in. And it was just done badly in most cases. So hopefully we can learn from that. And I, I think we are learning. You know, I think there uh, a lot of the modern uh, worship, um, you know, entities, uh, um, entities, <laughs> a lot of modern worship songs being read, uh, are, are realizing, okay, we need to write something more substantive. We we need to write something that more people can sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching uh, uh, Hillsong's uh, Easter service on uh, YouTube, just a, a portion of it, and I thought, you know what? This is a lot like a traditional church, except for the backdrop. Um, this this could be any traditional church, um, which is you know it's it's interesting. Just the more you seek to make it more about Jesus and His glory and the gospel, the less you feel drawn to all the, the extras, uh, because you have something so precious and so glorious. Yeah, I think that's, and, you know, Adam, as we're talking about youth stuff, I think that's, it's so key to make that foundation uh, as students are young before they, you know, they, they are part of the congregation now, hopefully, but as they go out on their own and what is for them at church is the, just the main service, then they have that foundation built on 
substance and on Christ instead of just what sounds good to them. So yeah. I mean, those, those are all really yeah. good thoughts um, on, on all of that. I want to, I want to move on um, and Bob and just ask you kind of just some practical stuff. I, I had thrown out an email to some of our guys here in the office and let them know I would be doing this. And they had some, came back with kind of some good questions they were curious about. And so one of them was um, one of our guys who's a, a volunteer leader asked, um, how, how would you open a Sunday worship service and what are some of the practical things that you like to do as you know a leader who's going to be opening up and having that initial connection with the congregation how would you open a worship service it's uh, a great question uh, I tell you how we used to do it for probably three decades we would just uh, play the song uh, you know we'd get the band going and just start singing and you know we just figured hey people are just kind of wandering in and you know, it's kind of a filler song. Uh, you know, people eventually get here. Since we started the church plant three and a half years ago, Sovereign Grace Church, Louisville, Kentucky, um, we start every Sunday with the Word of God. Um, we we call a call to worship. Harold Best writes in his book, Music to the Gods of Faith, there's only one call to worship, just uh, that's when you're converted. Everything else is a call to a continuation of worship, which I get a point, and I think that's really a good point. But this is, you know, the, the church has gathered to to give glory to God. Um, it's it's a, a, as close a representation to what you know what the new heavens and the new earth are going to be like. Uh, God's people gathered in His presence. So we start with the Scripture. We say, you know, and often we'll say that. You know, this morning, welcome to Sovereign Church, Louisville. This morning, uh, you know, our call to worship is from wherever. Um, and we do a call to worship because we want to remind ourselves that God has called us together. This wasn't our idea. It's not just a bunch of people, you know, randomly saying, hey, let's get together. No, God calls his people together for his glory. So then uh, I or one of the other pastors will read uh, usually one, maybe two verses, very rarely three, four. You know, it's not long. And we will just, you know, from that from that scripture, remind people of some reason, you know, why it is that God's called us together. So, you know, Easter Sunday, I mean, this, this may not seem like the most, you know, seeker-sensitive way to begin. We begin with Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. So the guy who, who you know, shared that, just said, you know, before Christ ever came, uh, you know, it was God's intention to overcome death. And today, you know, we're reminded, churches throughout the world are celebrating the fact that he overcame death through Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. So let's join our hearts and voices together to to praise him, you know, something like that. Mm. So we're always trying to begin with what God has done. So often we come into a meeting thinking, okay, well, I've got, you know, it's about what I'm going to do. Uh, I got to sing. I got to, you know, got to work up the energy, the engagement, or, or we might come in thinking, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. But, but all, both of those miss the fact that our worship is always, it always begins with receiving, for one. We wouldn't be worshipers if God hadn't, you know, brought us from death to life. And then just in a, in a very concrete way, we've gathered that God have the first word. 
So that's what we've been doing. We'll play a couple minutes of music, you know, before that, just to get people's attention, let people know something's happening, <laughs> uh, draw them in from the foyer. Um, but that's how we'll begin. So I, I have a blog, worshipmatters.com. I did, I did wrote a post on a call to worship where I expressed more thoughts on that. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really helpful. Um, that's, yeah, that's kind of really how we do it here too. And that's something that I didn't really, that we didn't do that growing up at, at the church I came from yeah. and since coming here about seven years ago or so. That's something I've really enjoyed. So I love, I mm. love when churches do that, when they start with God's word. Yeah. Um, and that's something that has really helped me. Cause like you said, you know, people come in, they're coming from all kinds of stuff. You know, I have three kids and so sometimes I come, yeah. I show up at church and, uh, it's not a day where I had to come super early, so I actually show up on time with my family, and something happened at home, you know, and so I'm just not in a state where I'm, like, all ready to come in and, and start worshiping, and really that scripture really helps focus me and kind of center me back on why I'm there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, so, and that's what you want to do, yeah. Yeah, that's something, you know, as, as people, you know, listening or maybe wondering the same thing, you know, how, how to start a worship service, I would I would echo what you said and just, you know, always start with... With God's word, I, didn't, I don't think you can go wrong, <laughs> you know. Starting with, starting with scripture. Yeah, I mean, there's flexibility. It, it, sometimes, occasionally, we'll start with a song. You know, "Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing," tune my heart to sing that praise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's an invitation. It's a prayer. Right. Um, but I mean, probably 19 times out of 20, yeah, probably I don't know more than that. <laughs> we most of the time we just start with the word. Yeah. And yeah, and and we don't necessarily start every single service there, but it's in there pretty close to the top of the, yeah, the yeah. service. And it's something I, I really enjoy. So that's um yeah. That's great knowing that you guys are, are doing that too. Uh what would you what would you say have been some of your greatest influences or people that have been some of your greatest influences, maybe musically and then you know pastorally? Musically, wow. I mean, you know, I come from the 70s uh, and 80s, <laughs> so it's changed over time. I mean, you know, back then it was guys like I mean bands like Steely Dan uh, was probably my greatest musical influence. I was re- I majored in classical music, so uh, I really liked Aaron Copland. Just a lot of open spacings in in music, uh, allowing space. But I like Chick Corea as well as the jazz pianist uh, Oscar Peterson and Keith Jarrett is one of my favorite. So those are all jazz guys. Um, yeah, today I, I just I listen to uh, things are being done. I think Matt Redman has done a, a phenomenal job of just uh, c- contemporizing theologically driven songs um, and musically. He's he's really you know put things out there. Um, uh, truthfully, I just heard this album not too long ago. Adam Wright. Uh, it's called the, cor- the 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 group is called the Corner Room, and it's a it's called Psalm Songs Volume One. It's just uh, verbatim Psalms, and uh, it's kind of bluegrass, country, pop, and I just loved it. Um, and I, I promoted it. It's just it's just so so good, especially for being scripture songs. So I like thoughtful music. Andrew Peterson. Sarah Groves, you know, just uh, never a big band guy uh, necessarily. I was in a band for a long time. So anyway, those are my musical for what the, for what it's worth. Um, pastorally, uh, you know, I've known C.J. Mahaney for 40 years, and no one, after my wife, uh, has had more of an influence on me. 
in terms of the way I think about things, I think about the gospel, think about the word of God, think about my family, my marriage, the way to serve people, the way to preach, the way to encourage, the way to be generous, um, the way to pursue humility. I mean, he's, he's really, um, yeah, just had a huge impact on my life. He's, he's the senior pastor where we are now. And, um, but in terms of theologically, uh, no question, John Piper has had a huge influence. Uh, David Peterson, he wrote a book called Engaging with God. I read it in the late 90s. Uh, had a profound impact on the way I thought about worship and music, uh, as, as did Harold Best. Mm. He wrote a book called Music Through the Eyes of Faith, and then another one more recently called Unceasing Worship. Um, he's he's <laughs> Harold is a... He's a unique writer. I mean, he'll you'll feel like you're wandering through the weeds sometimes, but you'll break out into an opening, and the vista will be so beautiful. You go, you'll think that was worth it. Mm. Um, so he he's uh, he, he's worth reading for sure. D. A. Carson, his stuff has been has been really good. So those those some of the main main influences. Yeah, that's that's great to know. You mentioned C.J. Mahaney. I know he's written a few books too. Do you have maybe a favorite book that you would recommend by C.J.? Uh, yeah, two really favorite couple. That's fine. <laughs> Cross-centered life, um, which is which was combined with another book and called Living the Cross-Centered Life. Um, yeah, I've just learned from watching C.J uh his example both in preaching and in his life uh, just how you know what we're what they're doing in heaven which is worshiping the lamb who was slain is what we should be doing on earth and you know understanding why as uh, david Pryor said he's a common commentary in first corinthians he said that we never move on from the cross only to a more profound understanding of the cross mm. um i just found that to be true in my own life and that's that's uh, what that book is about. And then he wrote, wrote a book called Humility, which, again, just watching his life. Um, I'm a very proud man, been proud all my life. And uh, he just talks about how to pursue it. And I think for musicians and leaders, that is a key area that we all struggle with. And I found that book to be very, very practical and hope-giving. That's great. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much for sharing um, all that stuff. I've got um, I've got three more questions. One a little bit longer, two couple short ones um, at the end. Um, and this is one, another one that came from one of our worship leaders here at, at our church. And I'm just gonna kind of read what he wrote to me, and then there's a question at the end of it. So he says this: I struggle with what I should feel when worshiping through music. I understand that worshiping through music shouldn't always evoke a feeling that corresponds to how good or authentic it is, but still I seem to have this desire to have some sort of feeling or emotional response. I think most people have similar desires to connect during worship on some sort of emotional level. What do you think about that? Where uh, does what we feel come into play during corporate worship? That's a great question. Well, feelings are response to what we think. We feel something because we think something. So, you know, if you aim to change your feelings or have a, 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 a you know, a, an emotional experience, you're, you're not going to be able to do that. If I say to someone, be happy, you know, it's going to be hard to know what to do exactly, except, you know, plaster a smile on your face. And you're not really being happy because happiness comes from inside. So,
so it's a matter of what you focus on. Colossians 3.16 says that we're to teach and admonish one another as we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. That's what I should be focusing on. Like I'm enabling, I'm letting the word of Christ dwell in, in my heart richly as I'm singing these songs. But I'm teaching and admonishing people and they're teaching and admonishing me. So it's more a matter of, okay, I'm going to focus on what's true. I'm going to focus on what God has said. I'm going to, you know, simply, I'm going to focus on God's word. I'm going to focus on God's worthiness. And I'm going to focus on God's works, especially, you know, his work of redemption in Jesus Christ. As I focus on those things, I, a lot of the times, a lot of the time, will have an emotional experience. Mm. Why? Well, because it's so glorious. Because Jesus is so great. Um, you know, it's like when, when you watch a movie that, uh, you know, I don't know, a great, great movie, um, Chariots of Fire years ago. Um, th th there's some movies you watch and you just have this emotional response. No one has to tell you, be emotional. It's just the natural response because you're taking in what you're seeing. So when we sing... The, the, the aim is not just to express some kind of emotion for something you don't believe. The aim is to focus on what you're singing and who you're singing to and trust that, you know, if God wants you to feel something really strongly, he will. I mean, the other day I was singing, um, I was up in New England, and I was singing The Power of the Cross by, by uh, Keith Gettings Stuart Town. And uh, there's a line, oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for by his suffering I am free. And I just lost it. I mean, I just, I, I was just, you know, tears from my eyes. And I could barely sing. Well, I sang it again this past Sunday. That didn't happen. But I was focused on the same thing. You know, I was, I was thinking about what Jesus did for me. And uh, so I just let the experiences come, emotional experiences come as, you know, as, as God wants them to come. But my, what I want to do is focus on what I'm singing and who I'm singing to. Yeah, I think that that's really good. <clears throat> I think for people to realize, like you <clears throat> mentioned, you know, sing a song, had an emotional experience, sing the same song again, didn't happen. I feel like with certain songs, or even just going to church on a weekly basis, if people are, you know, in that kind of this full circle back to what we were talking about earlier with that emotionally driven worship experience, where you could go one week and have that emotional experience, and then you go back and then you don't have it. And it's sort of like, well, what happened? What's wrong? You know, what's wrong with me? Or like, you know, sort of, oh, maybe God didn't, you know, quote, show up today yeah, or, or yeah. whatever. And I think people need to realize, you know, that, yeah, emotions are a part of worship, but it's not going to be the same thing every single time. Yeah. yeah, the only thing I'd say, sometimes that's because we're focusing on the wrong things. Mm. Jesus is always glorious. And, you know, the more that I... I think about the reality of what Christ did and the reality that he did it for me and that, you know, I continued to sin this week and Jesus' blood covered all those sins. I have fresh reasons to sing a new song. I have fresh reasons to, to come to, to the gathering of the saints, you know, on Sunday morning and, and be amazed at his kindness and mercy. 
and I think what happens is that we allow other things to crowd out those thoughts, you know, challenges, trials, sickness, pain, um, uncertainty about the future, uh, just different things, bad news. And, and we forget to fix our minds on Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so, yeah, our emotions go up and down, but I mean, almost every week, (coughs) excuse me, I'm having some, some emotional encounter with the Lord because he's just, again, he's just that glorious. Yeah. The phrase God didn't show up or that God did show up. That's something that we all need to fight very hard to do away with. Yeah. I agree. Because it's just so not true. Like it's true that when, if somebody says God showed up, well, sure. It's like saying the sun rose. God's, yes, yes. There, there were two or more of you gathered together. Yes. Then, <laughs> then God was there. And, and so I, that's what, that's one that needs to go away. Yeah. We're not, we're yeah. not bringing the Holy spirit into worship. And this is something I actually read on your, your blog, Bob, is that the, um, I think it was on your blog is the Holy spirit, um, is not a synthesizer. Yeah. 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 And that was so good because that's the way I've been feeling for so long and it was so, expressed so well that just because there's ambient sounds going on in your worship center uh, doesn't make it any more or less spiritual because right. there's noise filling the empty space. And I feel like sometimes that's inadvertently what we can communicate to people where you could go to a traditional service versus a you know more contemporary where maybe that's going on. And you can have that misunderstanding of like, well, there was just more of the spirit in the contemporary yep. one because it sounded, you know, quote unquote spiritual. So, um, yeah, for yep. for those of you who haven't read blog uh, blogs, Bob's blog, um, I would recommend that there's great stuff on there, especially that that article that Holy Spirit is not a synthesizer was really helpful for me. Um, oh. So a couple a couple things here, just kind of practical at the at the end here, um, Bob is um, just kind of some advice. This is what we usually like to ask people who are musicians and and worship leaders is um, just some kind of advice pieces. So kind of a two part question. One is if you could give someone who's an on staff uh, like a worship pastor um, two pieces of advice, what would you say? And then if you could give someone who was like an average weekend music volunteer, two pieces of advice, uh, what would you say? So start with like the on staff pastor role and then follow that up with the kind of music weekend volunteer who's maybe in a rotation and plays a couple times a month. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I'd say is labor to be affected by the cross. So it's a Puritan phrase. I'm not sure where it came from, but, uh, labor to be affected, work to be affected by the fact that Jesus Christ died for you, and and make that you, you know the uh, you, see him as beautiful, see him as glorious, see him as your savior. He's not just someone we sing about. He's someone who who rescued us from hell. He's someone who who reconciled us to the Father. He's someone who conquered death, conquered hell, conquered Satan for us in our place. And it just never gets old. So labor to be affected by that. Read books on it. Read the Gospels. Read Romans. You know, study it. Take a commentary. Read The Cross of Christ by John Stott. Um, the Gospel for Real Life by Jerry Bridges. 
Uh, there are just a lot of great books. In My Place Can Then Be Stood by Mark Dever. Um, you know, there, there are just some great resources that help us. What I found really effective is, uh, really helpful is The Valley of Vision, Collection mm. of Puritan Prayers, The Valley of Vision. It's been great. So labor to be affected by the cross. And then I'd say make, uh, remember how much a part of your worship your relationships are. So that would be you know, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your pastor, uh, your relationship with your church members. Um, you know, that, that is just as much your worship to God as your music making. Um, so it, it, that means, you know, caring for people, shepherding people. Um, you know, I uh, just this past year I've uh, had you know, different friends who were in ministry, um, you know, be, be unfaithful or be close to being unfaithful and to their wife. And, um, I, I just want to say, don't, don't even get near there. Don't, y- y- your wife is a gift. Pursue her with all your heart. Um, she's a gift from God. Don't, don't squander, you, you know, um, the grace of God, what God's given you as, as a means of magnifying Christ uh, for the sake of fleeting, sensual pleasure. Um, and then it, that, that relates to humility with, with uh, your pastor and, you know, humility with those in the church. So those are the two pieces of advice I've given. And then for a volunteer, I, I'd say probably the first one would be the, the same, <laughs> labor to be affected by the cross. You know, make sure that what you're trying to give people comes from a place of grace and not striving. Uh, you're not, you're not doing this to prove that uh, you're you, you know you're an amazing musician or you've got it all together. Um, so so live in the good of the gospel. Live in the good of your acceptance before the Father because of what Jesus has done. And the second thing would would probably be don't try and be like uh, other churches. You know, a lot of times what we the way we end up making decisions is through comparison and, you know, striving and, and uh, just trying to keep up with other people. And, you know, we got to make it like this. And and that's just really a dead end. You know, God's given you your church, your gifts, your your time restraints. And uh, I did a post called a salute to the average worship leader one time. It's got a lot of traction because I think it hit a nerve with people. It's like, you know what? You can be average in the sense of not the best looking, not the most incredibly musically gifted, you know, not write songs, but still serve your church really well if you are magnifying the glory of God in Christ to them in the power of the Holy Spirit and doing it with the gifts, you know, musical gifts you have. Um, God, God can be glorified in that. And so what if your church is 75 people? Um, you know, if you're magnifying Christ faithfully in that context— that brings glory to God. So, so be encouraged with that and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. That's fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and you can let me know if you've – I want to be mindful of your time because we've been chatting for quite a while here. I should probably go. Okay, yeah. It's, it's been a while. Um, th- thanks, thanks so much, Bob. I really appreciate you oh, my like joy. Said, taking your time and sharing oh. with us. And um, – yeah, once again, I want to encourage people to go, you know, check out those both those books, Worship Matters and True Worshippers, and also the blog, 
Uh, is it worshipmatters.com? Is that what yeah, it is? Exactly. Okay, worshipmatters.com. So yeah, check out um, Bob's blog as well. All right, uh, thanks, Bob. Really appreciate you um, Guys, spending your time with us. You. Thank you so much. I pray the Lord blesses what you're doing. I appreciate your desire to uh, just get voices out there that are exalting Jesus and uh, trying to serve his church. Thanks. So thanks for letting me be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, please head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us get connected with people over there. And if you haven't yet, hit that contact form on the site and get in touch with us. We want to connect with you. We want to connect you with others. We want to encourage you in what you're doing. God bless you today.